The High Power Hangout is a podcast that promotes and supports firearms, sports, and firearm safety. I do not support crime, negligence, illegal actions, or misuse of firearms. Always treat every firearm as if it was loaded, point them in a safe direction, and never put your finger on the trigger until you intend to safely fire and always be aware of what's behind your target. Discussions on this podcast, write-ins, or guest appearances are not responsible for your actions or inactions as a result of content covered in the show. Do not use reloading data from the show without working up from a considerably more conservative charge and solely working up until a safe load can be obtained. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the High Power Hangout. I'm JP, and today is Thursday, August 23rd, 2023. Thursday is always a good day because it means we are just past hump day. That's always a great thing unless you're on a week off from work and you're watching your free time start to dwindle away. Of course, that's made even worse if you're being a pessimist. So anyway, if you're in the Midwest right now, you know that it is hotter than sin. And this is a reminder to get your electrolytes, get your water bottle, get your Camelback or fanny pack or whatever you have stored your water in filled to the brim. For us on the range yesterday, the temperature was around 88 degrees with about 85% humidity. The lack of wind and direct sunlight made me feel like the thermometer was maybe lying just a little bit because everybody in the firing line was drenched in sweat after each relay. But I gotta say, between 15 and 16 shooters all day, it was nice that everybody powered through it and kept a good attitude. Well, here's what we have in store for a very short episode today. I'll tell you about the conversion over to match rifle, we'll jump into a load lounge and run you through how I got everything set up, and give a quick shout out for somebody who's a great shooter and also putting in his time to keep the sport alive, and of course, a word from our sponsors. So, I have an idea for everybody. Let's all grab a rifle, screw on a new barrel and a new scope, formulate some random loads, and drive an hour and a half to the range to do barrel break-in, load testing all at the same time. Who's with me? Yeah, don't everybody raise your hand at once. Alright everybody, welcome back to the Load Lounge and a quick results rundown. To give you an idea of what we're up against today, I want to give you an idea of the equipment I was using and why I'm even going to the range to do load testing in the first place. As I mentioned in the last episode, it's time to get into the silly season, which, if you didn't listen to the last episode, silly season just means for me... Camp Perry's over, and I can start playing around at matches and competitions to either learn about different disciplines like mid-range or match rifle, or just keep myself motivated so I don't get burned out. Honestly, after a huge push this year for service rifle, I was just getting a little burned out watching my scores deteriorate over the last few months, and that's got me thinking that maybe a pause in service rifle for a few months will help clear my brain and maybe wash away some of those bad habits. I'm also hoping that learning about shooting a match rifle in this situation may help me identify certain weaknesses in my game that I can work on. Last year I had experimented with my Elysio UMRS in 6BR. It was a wonderful shooting rifle, but I think my plans with it at the time were sort of unpractical. Impractical? Impractical. They were impractical. Since last year, I have picked up another UMRS and another Bolt and another adjustable buttstock. So now I have the two rifles with four barrels, 6BR, 308, 6 Dasher, and now 223. So naturally, the world is my oyster here. After experimenting a bit with the 6BR with iron sights and the White Oak Distinguished Rifleman scope, I decided I was kind of beating my head against a wall because I felt like I was defeating the purpose of trying to do match rifle in the first place. I assume folks that shoot match rifle are either looking for comfort or a new challenge or better visibility downrange, what have you, whatever. 
So I decided that after Camp Perry this year, I would just try to treat the match rifle like a match rifle, not like a glorified service rifle. It's weird that going from a 6BR with iron sights with the wrong settings and the wrong aperture and the wrong buttstock settings and the wrong handstop and the wrong sling settings doesn't work. So I decided to get myself set up to maybe have some more success from the ground up this year. So here's what I ended up with. I popped off the 6BR barrel and replaced it with a 223 barrel. By the way, Gary Elisio is the man. I picked up a 223 bolt from somebody else's UMRS and Gary had the specs on it and was able to chamber a 223 barrel based on that one bolt specs. He said it wouldn't quite be as perfect as if he had the bolt in person with the new barrel, but he said it would be darn close and he was dead on. The headspace measurements after fired brass measured straight on to what we were expecting. Also, for the second attraction in my thought here, sorry about that, his barrels are super easy to replace. After removing the buttstock and the bolt, you can unscrew the forward handguard, lock the barrel in the barrel vise, put an action wrench in the receiver, and pop it off with about 75 pound-feet of torque. Unscrew the barrel, re-screw on the new barrel, apply that same 75 foot-pounds of torque, and it's done. I've done four barrel changes with this single receiver, and every single time it's put me very close to being back right on zero, so minimal adjustments here. Anyway, with the new barrel installed, I decided that I had to be a big boy and pick up a big boy scope. At this point, the most powerful scope that I had used was a Weaver T16 in my silhouette days, and after watching Jack Jones be a monster at Camp Perry, I decided to follow in his footsteps and pick up a Night Force NXS 8-32x56 scope. On the load development side of things, I had a thousand or so Starline 223 brass that was already prepped and ready to go, and I had 8 pounds of Vitivori N140 sitting around that wasn't quite working in my service rifle. I had a match rifle sling from Eric Hollis that I had been working well with last year, so I kept that. And with everything installed, it was just time to rock and roll. For those who aren't very familiar with Starline Brass, they offer two styles of brass for the 223 Remington. They offer the Starline 223 line and the Starline 556 line. The 556 is far more durable in the primer pocket area due to a difference in annealing at the factory. Comparing the two of them, the 5.56 is pretty light in the area of around 95 grains or so and is typically what is offered by most retailers. The 2.23 line is much heavier and I don't think the annealing process follows the 5.56 process, otherwise I think they just label it as 5.56. The 2.23 line weighs around 101 to 102 grains from what I see in my lot that I've had over the last two years. Where this comes into play is with your load data. I found that my 223 brass resulted in much higher velocities than my 556 brass at the same powder charges, so I've had to back it off. Comparing my notes with another shooter named Mark nearby, we've actually dropped our charges around 5% and yielded the same velocities as the Starline 556 and Lake City. Your mileage may vary on that one, but if you decide to pick up the Starline 223 brass, you've been warned. I also wanted to test a theory that came up during Camp Perry this year. A little backstory here, there was more than one shooter at the cup match who was blowing primers at a relatively low powder charge with a well-worn-in barrel and couldn't identify where the problem existed. Trust me on this one, we covered as many bases as we could think of and could not get it figured out. 
I don't know about the other barrels that were having problems on the line because I heard this was happening, but I didn't follow up with it. But on the one that I was trying to solve with my buddy, he had 2000 rounds or more on a shot count. I can't remember exactly. It had been cleaned. The carbon ring had been removed. It had been blessed by some Croil and JB. This guy was well below what you would expect a popped primer to be for a load, even at ridiculously high temperatures outside. So we had tried to solve everything, and finally we gave up and just had to give John Holliger from White Oak a call and see if he could offer any help. He offered to look down the bore with a Hawkeye bore scope. It took less than five seconds for him to look down there and say, yep, that's going to cause a primer to pop. So he gave us both an opportunity to look down there, and we saw what looked like Vincent Van Gogh's Starry Night. Speckles of copper against a beautiful black carbon background in the grooves and even on some of the lands. He told us that over time, some barrels start to build up this carbon and copper layer, then relayer it with more carbon, more copper, then more carbon, more copper. You get the point. It's multiple layers of this wedding cake of a disaster building that even an above average cleaner of rifle barrels will sometimes miss over time. On the bright side, we figured out what the problem was, and unfortunately, on the dark side of things, it's not an easy fix. He said that the fix was JB and Croil and a bunch of strokes in the early part of the bore and slowly work your way towards the cleaner section and then every so often run a patch of hoppies down there to clear out the crud. He said this would be a very long cleaning process, but it's necessary and it will prevent those pressure spikes which pop primers. Really, there's no reason that this happens. There's no technique that leads to this buildup, no specific powder, no specific bullets, no specific barrels. It just seems to sort of come up randomly. Some barrels build it up and some don't. Similar to fire cracking. I've had all but one of my barrels fire crack and it doesn't really seem to affect anything. So after Camp Perry, I reached out to my grandfather to see if he had had any of these problems in the past Taking into consideration, he wasn't much of a borescope guy anyway. But he did mention that when he was doing bench rest and silhouette, they would always start a new barrel off with a very light load, like three grains below match load, and that would allow the barrel to season itself. I don't know if that means copper fouling embedding itself or perhaps a little carbon embedding itself in the cracks of the steel. Full disclosure, I have no idea what I'm talking about here, but logically, it would seem like warming up a barrel might be a good idea. My grandfather warned that he had no factual data on this, but the next time that I had a new barrel, maybe give it a try for the first 15 or 20 rounds, significantly below standard match loads. Like I said at the pilot episode, or the first episode, whichever, You'll be listening and drinking your coffee on the way to work, making fun of me and shaking your head, knowing full well that won't work. But that's what this podcast is for. So roundabout way of getting anywhere here. I decided that since this was a bolt gun, I wasn't worried about the gas system malfunctioning or having any problems with too light of a load. I'd give it a shot. To add more math to my dumb brain, I had to decrease the load by 5% compared to what I was reading from my loading notes on the service rifle, so I started with about 19.5 or 20 grains of N140 and Sierra 77s. The break-in process is always 
It's always an eight at six o'clock. I can't stand it. I hate it. Everybody has their techniques. Everybody swears by them, but I'm not going to be that person here. I'll just tell you what I did. What I did was shoot five rounds, give it a good cleaning with hoppies, give it 10 more rounds, hit it again with hoppies until I got a clean patch, then foul it with a five more rounds or so of that reduced load, and then start doing some load testing from the bottom up. I tested loads anywhere between 22.0 and 23.4 grains of N140. Why did I stop at 23.4? Because I was crunching powder at 22.6 grains and it was starting to get a little, well, over crunchy as I worked my way up. I used the same powder charges under the Burger 80.5s and also stopped at 23.4 for the same reason. What was the problem? Well, I was doing some seating depth checks and I found that the throat was a little shorter than I had expected and resulted in bullet lengths that were close to service rifle mag lengths with the 77s. So I seeded the bullets accordingly just to see what would happen. The 32 power scope really made things nice at 100 yards and I felt much more confident in my load testing abilities. I was able to find the sweet spot around 22.4 grains for the 77s and 23.2 for the 80.5s. That's using Vitavori and 140. Both loads had a good accuracy note at this point, and an increase or decrease of two tenths of powder also resulted in really good grouping. None of them had really outstanding standard deviations, but that didn't seem to be a problem. After I got home, I gave it a good scrubbing, including some JB in the throat to really get it clean and then did some seeding depth testing and found out that it had actually eroded about four or five thousandths within 130 rounds. Whatever, not a huge deal to me. I just readjusted my seeding die and stuffed more bullets. So that led me back to my first Tuesday night league match in about four or five weeks, and it was really great to get back, though it was ridiculously uncomfortable outside. It was fun to get out with the match rifle and try new stuff. It's always good to hang out with the guys and dork around with a new rifle at the same time. I had one non-shooting friend a couple weeks ago ask me what the difference was between uh, this high-tech rifle that I'm using now and the service rifle that I normally shoot. And the only analogy I could really think of was a racing-related, of course. And please don't take this the wrong way if you shoot service rifle religiously because I don't mean it in a negative way. But service rifle is like NASCAR. It's stock, there's minimum changes you can make, and it has its own set of challenges, yes. But, and again, not trying to sound condescending to what we do, the equipment allowed is fairly basic. If you are on the AR-15 platform, you can shoot one style of rifle that looks like the other 800 rifles on the firing line with a limited power scope and limited modifications. It's a challenge. Match rifle, on the other hand, is almost like F1 racing. Sure, there's some restrictions to what you can do, but there's a lot of unlimited modifications you can make to edge out the competition. Adjustable buttstocks, adjustable cheek pieces, adjustable handstop locations, trigger guards, triggers, hand groups, scopes, calibers, slings, jackets, whatever, you name it, you can do it. You can use a 1969 Winchester Model 70 and 222. I don't even know if they made that. Whatever. It's no problem. Tubbs 2000 and 6 Remington? No problem. You get the picture. I'm not saying that this is riding in the back of a limousine versus some beater cab in New York. So again, don't take it personally. Anyway, 
not sure what my aim is here with the match rifle other than really to have fun and to learn. Of course, this is kind of like when you're in your 20s and you're dating around and your buddy's asking you about the hot date last night. And so you guys just having a fun time or you guys getting a little bit more serious and you're just like, yeah, I, you know, I think we're just having fun. I don't think it's getting too serious, you know, but uh, we'll see where it goes. I don't want to I don't want to put a label on it here. If you guys get what I'm saying here, match rifle. Though, I gotta say, for that new Night Force scope, man, that target is big, but my hold is wobbly, and my heart rate is massive. I think the overall weight of the rifle really helped me in offhand. It seemed really stable, and I was able to pull off a 198 with 7x. Sitting was full of heartbeat, but I was able to manage a 200 with 15x, and when I got back to 300, my position just felt all messed up. It was awkward, it showed a ton of heartbeat, I felt like I was balancing on the top of that beach ball again. Nothing like slapping the trigger during a rapid string with a bolt gun. I can only imagine this is probably what criminals feel like when they're running away from police in their vehicles through a neighborhood at 4am trying not to crash at full speed. It was a long afternoon, but I was able to manage the 796 and 47X. That felt pretty good. Before the evening match, I decided to sit on the range and work on my position with another accomplished shooter named Ken. The problem was that I was having a prone position that was so high that I was arching my back and getting cramps in my legs and my hips. Even today, as, as we're recording this here, which is the following day, my lower back and my hips are really sore. So Ken and I worked on the position down to where it felt more comfortable and it had to find a way to stop the magazine well from actually touching the right side of the sling because that was causing cant towards the 11 o'clock position. I'm really happy he was able to help me out, and he was a really good sport sitting through some ugly weather in the sunshine, so thank you, Ken. Also, I have a David Tubb book that showed up in the mail. I'm going to give that some strong reading along with Nancy Tompkins' book, and just make sure I'm not missing something important. I'm looking forward to the next few matches with this rifle. It's going to be fun to look forward to something to develop as a shooter. Hopefully, there will be some friends along the way to offer some useful tips for match rifles since it's new to me. Moving on. Today's episode is brought to you by Bradford's new Afterburner Bullets. For years, Bradford's has given us superior performing products such as the all-new pit pulling neck brace and vintage rifle odor remover. But now they're introducing the newest line of ballistic monsters with the new Afterburner Bullet. Available in 224, 243, and 308 calibers, the new Afterburner Bullet by Bradford produces additional thrust beyond the traditional capabilities of the standard rifle bullet by adding up to 50% more ballistic coefficient versus the other guys. With Bradford's new proprietary propulsion process igniting three separate stages of boost, each bullet is sure to hit its mark with emphasis each time. Bad wind calling? Me too. Now with Bradford's Afterburner Bullets, you can nearly guarantee a 10-ring shot each time. Find Bradford's new Afterburner Bullets on their website and at local outdoor sporting goods stores near you. Okay, folks, before I sign off, I want to throw out another good shooter shout-out from my friend Dave out west. He mentioned that the Washington competitors have gone on to do some seriously great things, especially with the juniors who have continued on to compete with the AMU, 
the All Guard, and the U.S. Palma team, just to name a few. They've mentioned their program going through some struggles lately, but one of their former juniors has stepped up to help. Dave wrote, One of our former juniors, Michael Storer, stepped up to help keep things running. He has brought together a nice group of juniors from both sides of the state, and with the help of some great parents and other volunteers, has kept the program running and succeeding. I don't think any of the current group of juniors had shot competitively two years ago, and now they have shot at Perry, and at least one of them has gone on to earn some leg points. Michael wasn't alone, but he was a big part of the group that keeps things going. Oh, and by the way, he legged out last year too. For the rest of us in the state, it's good to know that our annual membership dues in the state association actually go to something useful. We're never going to overcome the political pressures from the metropolitan areas of the state, but if we can keep a good group of people interested and make a difference in their lives, we have done something to keep the sport alive. End quote. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear there are people out there fighting to keep the sport alive and doing a great job of not only maintaining the sport, but also growing it and doing it well. Michael, if you're listening here, keep up the good work. Thanks for being a good role model for anyone who's listening and following in your footsteps. If you have a shooter shout out, let me know. Shoot me an email at jp at hphpodcast.com. JP at hphpodcast.com. All right, everyone, that's all I have time to talk about today. And honestly, there hasn't been much going on. I have a few matches in the next few weeks coming up, followed by a ton of work. So I'll do my best to get an episode out as time allows. I'm about to commit a cardinal sin and bring a match rifle to a service rifle match. But I think my attitude and motivation to shoot well and enjoy the day would be much higher than if I brought the service rifle and expected just to get my butt kicked all day and go home with the tail between my legs. Over the last 10 minutes or so of podcast radio therapy, I think I've decided that maybe the point I'm trying to drive home to myself is, well, you ever punch a brick wall and try to knock it down? I know most of you haven't, but you'd be really stupid to get mad at the wall and punch it even harder, thinking that will break it down. Maybe that's where I'm at with service rifle in a rut, so... It's time to come up with a new strategy. I'm going to find that wrecking ball and come back to the brick wall and mow that sucker down. Hopefully Match Rifle can breathe a little fresh air and new techniques into my game so I can come running back to Service Rifle like a best friend you haven't seen in months. Anyway, if you have something to contribute or want to chat, please do so. My line is always open. Shoot me an email at jp at hphpodcast.com. That's HPH for the High Power Hangout. Until then, remember to make every single shot count. I'll see you on the next one.